Hey, Next on the T Nation, thanks for tuning into this bonus edition of Next on the T featuring my guest, Tucker Booth. And thank you all so much for your wonderful support. Thanks to you. The show is now rated number five on the podcast magazine Hot 50 list for the month of May. You all are so fantastic. Enjoy the segment. Okay, now next on the tee with me is Tucker Booth. Tucker is a professional entertainer, writer, rapper, and the host of the podcast Rappers Don't Golf. He's another great friend that I've gotten to know over Twitter who I have also never met or spoken with live. We interact on an almost daily basis over Twitter. But we've never actually spoken to one another, so this is a huge thrill for me. Tucker's been involved in two book projects, one that he's actually written and another one that he is helping a friend write, which we'll talk about both of those extensively. And I'm excited to have him with me on Next on the T. Hey, Tucker, how are you, my friend? Chris, it's the first time I've ever heard your voice live. You've I just know. been uh, Twitter, a Twitter voice in, in my head. Now, now I can really hear you. This is exciting. Thanks for having me, man. Tucker, it's exciting to have you as part of the show. And as we say, we've been communicating with each other over Twitter for years. But for our audience, Tucker, talk about your background and when golf entered your life. You know, it's funny because I always tell the story that when I was a young boy living in Portland, Oregon, we lived right by the Westmoreland golf course. And my dad played a lot of golf because he was in sales. And he said to me when I was about eight or nine, hey, Tucker, what if I got you a golf coach and got you some lessons? And I go, why would I want to play that fat old man's sport? <laughs> My dad showed his sag. He walks off defeated. Then around 30, when I became a fatter, older man, I started watching Tiger Woods on television. Like everybody that was a fan, he made me want to pick up a golf club and swing it. So for the last 13 years, I've been working at the pursuit of not completely stinking at golf on a daily basis. That's about what I am in the golf world. <laughs> Tucker, one of the things that, that you wrote to me over Twitter is, is that very same thing, how you've been beating the game of golf. You know, you're, you're not that good at it, but you're beating the game. Talk about what you meant by that. Well, I think the podcast is really where we're going to go when you referenced Rappers Don't Golf. And the funny thing about the title, because I get needled about it all the time by my guests, is what do you mean Rappers Don't Golf? And Snoop Dogg golfs? You know, all these guys golf? What do, you, what do you mean they don't golf? I go, they don't golf with Tucker Booth. Because all of my rapper <laughs> friends from back in the day started seeing me on Twitter getting into sharing swing plane tweets and Tiger videos and stuff. And some of them came on and started and started trolling me, going, what are you doing with this rappers don't golf crap? What Rappers don't golf? This isn't what they do, you know what I mean? It, it, it totally didn't get it, Chris. And that emboldened me because I wanted to fuse kind of my entertainment, musical, hip-hop background with a podcast where I interviewed all different types of people, but especially people from the golf world, and kind of have this weird dichotomy there where they're obviously kind of more like mainstream and, and start shirt and you know, country club. And, and here I am, this kind of wild, whimsical, hippie doofus that comes in and can sit down and talk with them. And I think that's kind of how I've gotten behind the ropes of the game. And it's been amazing. I've met so many great people with this podcast, so many great names in the golf world, uh, not just players, but uh, especially all of the broadcasters and journalists who have become really close friends of mine. And it's given me this this amazing opportunity to be behind the scenes at a lot of these tournaments. Uh, I was at the U.S. Opens the last year, of both of them, the women's and the men's, out here in California. Uh, just what a blessing to get to meet all these people and, and interact with them, even though I have no business playing a round of golf with them. 
So take that a step further, Tucker. Talk about the great people and the guests that you've had an opportunity to talk with on your show. Gosh, there's so many. And it was funny. I was, I was talking to Craig Can recently on his show, and he goes, just name two of the biggest guests you've had. And I felt like I was insulting so many of the other guests by just naming two. But, I mean, uh, Tony Jacklin, who won, uh, you know, the, the two-time major champion, he was on the show recently. What a thrill to get to talk to somebody like that. Um, you know, uh, Dottie Pepper was on recently, not just a great player, but also a great broadcaster in her own right and a major champ. Um, you know, p- people like this on a regular basis come on the show and it's a thrill. But like I said to you, I really love the broadcasters, so I'm going to give special shouts out. I loved having Frank Nabilo on the show. That was a wonderful episode. Really love Frank. And just one thing I'll say about Frank, talk about character because everyone had told me what, what a great guy he was. We did the uh, interview initially, Chris, and he gave me 90 minutes of thoughtful stuff. And we get done, and I say goodbye, and I go back to the recorder, and it had cut out at 45 minutes. I was mortified. You know, you know from doing podcasts, it's not always easy. You're going to have mistakes. But this man had just given me 90 minutes of his time. And I have to go to him and tell him that it, it, it can't run the way it will, and that the only way we can do it right is to redo it. Without a second thought, he said, oh, no worries, mate. Anytime. Let's do it again. And gave me another 90 minutes. Uh, I think that says a lot about him. So shout out, Frank. Really, really appreciate that. And, you know, the one that I always keep coming back to is my friend Lisa Cornwell, who used to work at Golf Channel and was a great golfer in her own right. And uh, and this new book that I'm helping her co-author, which is all a direct result of the podcast. She had seen that uh, Karen Stupples and Jerry Foltz had come on the pod, and she's good friends with them. And that got her to me, and then she started reading some of the writing that I'd done, including the piece about Michael J. Whalen, who's the creator of Golf Channel. I know you know him. Yep. And all that has led to us writing her memoir together. And, and in Lisa's words, uh, I know more about her life than probably anyone, including her parents. So what an honor to get to be that person for her. Yeah, so take that a step further. As, uh, you mentioned, now you guys are 70 pages in. Talk about, for our audience that's not familiar with Lisa, talk about her and the work that you guys are doing putting together her book. Sure. Well, first of all, Lisa is from Arkansas, grew up in the Fayetteville area, and when she was a young girl, was one of the top junior golfers in the world. I think she rose as high as number two at her peak. She was good friends with Tiger Woods. They were at, they knew each other through the AJGA, and we were at many events together, you know, back then. Boys and girls events, you know, were mixed as well. And during that time, she won four Arkansas State Amateur Championships in about a five-year span. So obviously one of the greatest amateur women golfers in Arkansas history. Um, she had a professional coach. She was working with David Ledbetter. She was ready to go on to the LPGA and major championship success. That's what everybody, including herself, thought was next for her as a grown-up. But in college... She, in her words, fell out of love with the game of golf completely. And it had a lot to do with other personal stuff she was dealing with, too, but she seriously burned out. And so at 21, she walked away from the game and went through all sorts of other career paths, trying to find what she really did want to do after golf. And eventually, after about six years, she she wanted to get into broadcasting and kind of grinded her way up the ranks through all these different networks, covering all different kinds of sports. But eventually she started realizing she was good at hosting and being kind of the studio host for a lot of these networks. And it got her a look from Golf Channel. And in her words, she got her dream job because she didn't realize it back then. But 
all that former knowledge and love for golf that she had when she was young came in real handy in this job in particular as an analyst and a host. And also just fell in love with so many of the people she worked with there. And, and again, so many people that I've talked to while, while I've been researching for this book just can't say enough nice things about Lisa, but just quickly became a standout star on the network in her role as host for a lot of these big events, uh, especially on the LPGA, but PGA as well. And uh, and then later, which is what we get into in the book, she started having issues with some very high-profile people there and did her best to go through all the proper channels with HR and whatnot to handle it. And, it, and basically, it turned into what she called a, retali- a retaliatory situation where she was let go under a lot of dubious circumstances. I don't want to get too deep into all that on this call, but suffice to say, you all can read about it coming soon. Troublemaker by Lisa Cornwell and Tucker Booth, set to be released uh, for International Women's Month, uh, which is early next year, 2023, around March. Well, I certainly look forward to reading that book. And speaking of books, you wrote one yourself. Talk about the book that uh, you put together and what we learned when we read it. Well, it's amazing because the COVID shutdown for so many people kind of went one of two ways. And for me, I felt like it went both of these ways. But the first way it seemed to go for a lot of people is it drove us nuts. And it made us really have to look hard at what our priorities were and humble ourselves on so many different things. And, and of course, work on our nerve and our mental toughness because it was very scary there for a while for everyone for plenty of different reasons. However, after I'd gone nuts for about nine weeks... My wife came to me and said, you know, I've really been praying about it, Tucker, and I think you should just go on a spirit journey. I'm not kicking you out, but it keeps coming to me. You just need to go and find yourself. Go wherever you want. Just point the car in any direction and just go. And while you're doing it, why don't you write that book you've always been talking about? And it's true, Chris. Ever since I was in college as an English major, I told everyone I wanted to write the great American novel, and everyone always laughed at me. But I went, well, you know, I guess why not now? So indeed, I just got in my car. I drove up from L.A. to Northern California. My brother-in-law let me sleep in his garage. His girlfriend wouldn't let me in the house, but I got to sleep by his Tesla on a cot. <laughs> and he brought me out of the table and said, you can type on this. And I got going. And then I got moving from there and went from Palo Alto all the way up to my original birthplace of Portland, Oregon. Drove all the way up the I-5. And as I was driving uh, with gas at a dollar a gallon, if you can believe it, Wow. And hotels for 55 bucks a night. I just pretty much had this, this experience where I really did kind of get in touch with the, the great spirit, if you will. Got out of my own way, started learning to cope with what was going to have to be the new normal going forward, and wrote about 60 pages before I got back 16 days later. And by that point, I knew I was all in, Chris, so I just kept writing. And this is the beauty of this. The book itself gave me an anchor during the shutdown because all my work was gone. As a live musician, singer, guitarist, I was the least essential worker out there, right? So all my work had evaporated, but this gave me something to do every single day. I would go down to our church where we have, where I have my office, and I would write uh, as much as I could. And then the church is right by the beach, or Hermosa Beach, so I'd go down to the beach whenever I needed to clear my head. And I just go back and forth, man. And uh, now the book has been written. It's about 300 pages. It's been edited by my friend who's a professional editor. And I'm in the final stage of edits. 
Uh, it's pretty much ready to be read now, but, you know, never enough editing. And I plan on self-publishing this through Amazon, and it will be out uh, by the 4th of July. That's our release date for that. The book's called Quick Trip. It's a kind of biographical opus about 25 years of my life, uh, kind of braided through narratives about crazy road trips that I went on running away or running to things. Tucker, when we're able to get the book in July, what's the message that you want people to walk away with when they read it? You know, I hope that they realize that this book is complicated. I'm sure they will right away. It's it's a book about not just the COVID shutdown, but it's about near-death experiences in my life. It starts with a traumatic car crash that almost killed me when I was 16. Uh, we talk about crisis of faith growing up in a religious family, but not really understanding that, trying to find some sense of absolute truth in this world versus all the relativism that seems to be out there. Again, complicated stuff. However, what's the message or what's the, what, what's the feel I want them to get from it? it this, is my, this is my naked life, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm not trying to act like I'm a saint, and I'm not trying to act like I've had some huge growth in character by the end of it. But I am better than where I started. So I do hope that they see improvement in the protagonist. And I also hope that they see that, that there are so many ways that people can get help, but we all need to get it. And for me, it was finding church again. For other people I know, like Mike Whalen, it was getting therapy. If for other people I know, it's all different kinds of alternative ways of getting help. But I think, again, referencing the COVID shutdown, while COVID, the disease, has been absolutely horrible, and I'm not trying to make light of it whatsoever, the mental issues, the mental disease that has been exacerbated by the situation is even more scary and more uh, of an epidemic, in my opinion. So I hope that they get from this book that it's really important to get help, and all of us went through this traumatic experience with the shutdown and are still going through it with COVID. And, um, and that I, I really do hope that they're mindful of trying to get the help that we all need. Tucker, you've made reference to a friend of ours a couple of times, Mike Whalen. For those who don't know Mike, you've done a, a couple of episodes on your show about Mike. Mike's been on my show in the past. He's really the guy that got the Golf Channel off the ground. He hired everybody. He created every show. Talk about your recent conversation with Mike. Well, Mike Whalen, first of all, if you're listening, I love you, bud. Uh, Mike has been a great friend and mentor to me ever since we first connected. Again, another great friend I met through Twitter, Chris. Uh, it just shows you the power of Twitter. But Mike and I got introduced because he had heard a podcast interview I'd done with Peter Kessler, who I know you know. And he had corrected me on some stuff Pete had said on there that he felt was not true. And it blew up into this big old war with Peter Kessler, which I wrote about in an article called Breaking Bad with Peter Kessler. Mike helped me with that piece uh, mainly by filling in a lot of the details about Golf Channel in the early days. Because, again, as I said, he was the creator of the network, uh, the senior, uh, senior producer, if you will. And what he did was build the entire Golf Channel from the ground up. He was tasked with doing this by Joseph Gibbs and Arnold Palmer, who are the main investors in Golf Channel. And he built an entire network that we watch every day and know and love in six months. I mean, that's just genius stuff. Fox News took 18 months to build by comparison. Mike's obviously a genius. He did amazing work while he was there, but he was also struggling with mental health problems, as, as we referenced. And by the time he got about seven years deep, uh, his bipolar issues became a bigger deal. 
uh, we ended up writing about his life in a biographical profile called I Built a Masterpiece, and then I fell apart the Michael J. Whalen story that took me and him almost a year to write together. And in that year, as I learned everything about his complicated, sad, and ultimately inspiring life, we we also um, got to see, you know, all these other people come forward and vouch for him being the reason that they are where they're at. And these are people, besides all the Golf Channel folks I just named, folks like Scott Van Pelt, who talked to me and said that Mike was the first one to give him a big break and to prove to him that he could be what he's become. So, I mean, it's amazing all the lives that he's touched, not even just with uh, Golf Channel, but celebrities uh, that, that he knows and that have uh, come come forward and, and talk about how much they love him. Guys like Jim Carrey uh, come to mind. Uh, you know, it's a really impressive, just the, the reach that he's had. But I guess to kind of fully answer your question, the, the conversation we just had on Rappers Don't Golf last week is about a cancer diagnosis that he's now received, and it looks pretty grim. Um, you know me, I'm always gonna, I'm always gonna pray and I'm always gonna keep my, my hopes up and do my best to kind of give him, uh, positive stuff to work with. But I know he's really scared right now and he's been pretty open about it. He's gonna have an open throat biopsy here coming up. And I guess within the next week or two, he will know the extent of the cancer situation, but it seems to be throat and pancreatic. Um, it, it may involve radical stuff at the hospital to try and encounter it as quickly as possible. And uh, he's really up against it. Again, someone struggling with bipolar, no less, trying to sit and wait on, on kind of his fate. Um, so we talked a lot about it. We talked a lot about kind of how precious life is and, and, and also how fragile it seems at these moments and how important it is for all of us to be more mindful about making the most out of each and every day because it, we all know it's not guaranteed. Um, I also lost another great friend and mentor uh, about two months ago now. And beside Mike, this friend Mark was one of my best friends as far as guidance goes. So I can tell you, it's it, you really got to appreciate every moment. I thought Mark was going to outlive all of us, and he's gone. And so I think for Mike and I now, uh, what we're doing is we're trying to keep telling his story. And I know that no matter what happens to Mike over the years to come, I'm going to have to keep telling his story. He pretty much just tasked me with doing it. So I love you, Mike. I would love telling your story. Uh, I, I think the greatest part of the Whalen story, before I let it go, though, Chris, is that here's a man that 25 years ago almost took his own life. And ever since then, he's not only fought to live, but he's helped others live by donating his time to suicide prevention hotlines. Uh, he's worked to rescue animals that were going to be put to death. He has fought for life for all of us ever since he almost took his own. Yeah. And Mike is, a, like you say, a genius and a tremendous person. And prayers up for Mike. Uh, I'm sure he'll be listening to this segment, and uh, he is just a wonderful, tremendous human being. And uh, kudos to you for writing the story and doing the uh, doing the interview with him. Prayers up, Mike, for folks. And like you said, Tucker, he's very out there and very open about what he's going through. At Michael J. Whalen is where you can find him on Twitter. He'll be out there telling you every step of the process uh, for what he's going through and uh, the emotions that go along with it. But prayers up. For Mike, and thank you for what you do, Tucker, uh, for promoting the the things that Mike has done. He is uh, he is a tremendous asset to the broadcasting world and to the golf world as well. My pleasure, Tucker. I want to get get back to your show again. Rappers don't golf. 
talk about your style for for folks that are now going to be out there finding your show and listening to the great work that you do. Talk about the style with which you conduct your interviews. I try and keep it real conversational. And I know probably every interviewer thinks that they do that, but I, I work very conscientiously. Uh, like you kind of said, I tee them up and then I try and get out of the way. And that's what I really do try and do. It's, it's fun for me because I'm only inviting people on, Chris, that I'm genuinely interested in talking to. I, I don't just have people on just to help them plug their stuff or whatever. I really am choosy about who I bring on. And the style, I guess, is, yeah, an unfiltered conversation like you'd have with a buddy at the bar after a round of golf or something. And it should feel fun, and we should be laughing. Or if it's a serious conversation, then we should be serious. But again, it should feel like somebody you'd want to spill the beans to. And I've heard that about me through my life, partly because I'm an investigative journalist. But people always spill the beans to you, Tuck. And it's true, they do. I think I know how to get them to do it well, because again, I've been raised by people that are very extroverted. Like I said, my dad was in sales. He was just a master of getting to know people quickly and and having them like him quickly. So that's kind of what I'm trying to to model my show after is like my dad, just we we hit it off quickly. Now you're spilling the beans. Hopefully you say some stuff on, on my show that you've never said anywhere else. I always want that as the feedback at the end is like, not just, wow, those are great questions, but we talk about stuff I've never talked about. No you know, interviewer has ever asked me that question before. That's what I want to hear. So I guess that's my style. As we've talked about, your entertainment career has sort of been in the background, but talk about your music and the things you do on that side of the entertainment world. Gosh, so many to even talk about. It's funny when people ask you, what's your job, Tucker? I always go, how much time you got? But uh, <laughs> as far as professional entertainer, which I do think is a pretty good blanket term, I'm a singer, professional singer. Uh, I'm a professional guitar player. I've been playing guitar for 35 years. I'm a professional pianist. And beyond that, I do music booking for all occasions. Pretty much mostly private now. I don't do a lot of bars and clubs anymore. But money's better in private. But it's everything from weddings, parties. I've even done memorial services all the way down to children's gigs. And that's where a lot of the bread and butter is out here, man. I've got this whole uh, program called Pot Rock which is for the tops and the toddlers. And moms and dads bring their little kids all the way down to newborns. And they sit in a circle with me, and it's kind of like Mr. Rogers meets Bob Dylan or something. But I basically <laughs> teach these little tiny kids how to form a rock and roll band. And then I slide in not just classic kids music, but classic rock from all ages and give them a taste of the good stuff. So I guess what, what it is with that, and I know we've mentioned the rapping too, which is a whole separate thing. I, I started a hip-hop record label in St. Louis in my 20s with a friend of mine that was putting out rap and rock and roll stuff. But I started battling in rap battles, and this is kind of at the height of the rap battle craze when Eminem had put out 8 Mile and whatnot. But I was rapping in all these rap battles, and I've won 12 freestyle rap battles in four states. So I wow. indeed go down in St. Louis lore as one of the greatest to ever do it dead or alive. And um, what that opened me up to was obviously all these other worlds and cultures and backgrounds of people, but it also opened me up to being able to talk very quickly, string together <laughs> ideas at rapid fire pace, to be funny on command, to be tough and cutting on command, and to be able to take the roughest, toughest talk coming at me and process it quickly and not let it choke me out, if you will, 
in these rap battles. So I, it, it taught me mental toughness. It gave me a thick flak jacket around my heart. And it, it, it puts me in a position now where I can battle all the way up to Golf Channel and NBC with this book that we're writing with Lisa and, and not let all those barbs and arrows pierce me too deeply. Taking your interaction with kids in another direction, you're also not only a baseball fan, but you coach Little League. Talk about the things that you're doing and the success that uh, your kids have had on the baseball diamond. Well, now we're talking about what I really wanted to talk about today. Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, to my son, Max, I love you, Max. I am so proud of you. And, you know, Max has been a great little baseball and golf stud pretty much since birth, Chris. I know every dad says that their kids got next level abilities, but everybody told me that my child, my toddler, had next level abilities at striking a ball. I don't care if I was throwing it to him through the air or if it was sitting on the ground. From the time he was about two, he could launch a real golf ball, flight it into the sky. And he's doing all of it left-handed. He started out with a righty club lefty. <laughs> and then we finally got him lefty clubs, and away he went. Um, he's now 12, just a standout at both. And these are you know golf coaches telling me that he has a professional-looking swing at 12. Uh, we've just basically done it through summer camps and golf lessons and me caddying for him every chance I get. But back to baseball, yeah, I've been the assistant coach on this year's team, and I've been head coach before for different teams of his. And he's been in the Redondo Beach Little League now for almost eight years, so ever since he was a little teeny guy playing t-ball. And again, Chris, ever since t-ball, he was one of the only kids that was launching bombs off the tee. And then it turned to machine pitch, and he's launching bombs off the machine. And then it's dad pitch, and he's launching bombs off the dads. And now we're finally playing real baseball. And this is the fourth year in a row that he's made the semifinals of the Redondo Beach Little League Championships for his division. He's been to three straight championship games over the last three years, uh, of which he's won one of three. And then the others, they've come up like a run short. So really, he has played marvelous through all these championships. And here we are this Tuesday, semifinals against our rival team. Winner goes straight to the finals. Even if we lose, we get one more crack at it because it's double elimination. But we're sitting pretty, looking like we're going into the finals and looking like this. the last year of me coaching him may very well end with, with more celebration. So just an amazing playoffs for him so far. He's 4-5 at the plate over the first two games. He almost wow. hit a grand slam. It flew all the way to the fence and hit the fence and dropped back in. Um, he's just, just putting on a show. And I'm sure you know as a dad – uh, when it's your kid and it's all the boys that I've been coaching and it's all these, you know, kids and all this time and loving energy I put into them and their parents, it just feels so gratifying, uh, to get to be in this position. And I told them, this is incredibly special. This doesn't happen to everybody. You know, most kids, they dream of going to the championship once. And here you are knocking on the door for a first time. And, uh, and really be grateful for it. Really let it soak it all in. Don't take it for granted. And, uh, and get it done. Congratulations to him and to you. We look forward to following your success. Let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's following you online or it's over social media? Follow me on Twitter, folks. Uh, Tucker Dale Booth on Twitter. Or you can just type Tucker Booth in and it comes up. But I'm always proudly boasting about my son's achievements in Little League. So uh, you want to see vids and all that stuff. It will definitely be up there next week. And let our listeners know, how can they listen to your show? 
Well, basically, if you want to listen to the podcast, it's on Spotify. But shout out to my buddy Rory Mitchell, who's my producer at the Mitchell Report Unleashed. Uh, we have now got it on Anchor, so you pretty much starting this week can find Rappers Don't Golf anywhere that you go to get your podcast. It will be there, but for sure on Spotify. And then as far as social media, I am only on Twitter, and uh, I won't go on a long rant about it, but I realized that I needed to kind of streamline all my social media. So I uh, got off Facebook, got off Instagram, just Twitter now, but uh, always reachable by email as well, and that's for anything. You know, if y'all want... Uh, links to all my stuff. Uh, you can find it on my Twitter, but you can also just hit me up, TuckerBooth at Hotmail.com. I've had the same email address for 25 years. TuckerBooth at Hotmail.com. I'll hook you up with links to whatever you like. If you're interested in the book, I'm already selling pre-orders now. Uh, and music, I'm happy to share freely with you. So always feel free to hit me up, TuckerBooth at Hotmail.com. Tucker, it's been a, a huge thrill to actually get to talk to you in person and having you as part of the show. I hope this is the first of many times that you come back. Hey, and you're seriously, part of Chris, I've been team. looking forward to this for a long time. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for all you do online, by the way. Listeners, if you don't know, Chris is one of the people on Twitter that is always giving love to all the other people that he's connected with. You know, we, we look forward to every Sunday with you, CT, because you're always doing the <laughs> shout-outs. And tagging people up. And, and what a gift. And I mean that because it's so hard when you first get on social media to get people to care enough to even check you out, let alone put you on blast and say, this is the guy. And you do it so well for so many of us. You've surely validated my name to a lot of people that needed it validated before they were willing to talk to me. And uh, I give you a lot of credit for all that, man. So thank you. I appreciate that very much, Tucker. You're the best, my friend. I hope, like I say, we get the opportunity to, to catch up with you a little bit later after the book comes out and hear about the results of, of the, the baseball playoffs. But you're fantastic, my friend. I look forward to catching up you with you. All right, soon. Chris. Well, much love to you. And uh, prayers up to Mike Whalen, for sure. Absolutely. Take care, Tucker. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. All right. Peace. That's the great Tucker Booth. And again, folks, you can follow him on Twitter at Tucker Dale Booth. T-U-C-K-E-R-D-A-L-E-B-O-O-T-H. Tucker Dale Booth on Twitter. A great, great show that he does. First of all, Rappers Don't Golf. It's a lot of fun. And uh, he's a great rider on top of that. And the stuff with Mike Whale and prayers up for, for you, Mike. I know you're listening today. So uh, thank you very much for all that you have meant to everybody in golf. Prayers up to you for a speedy recovery and uh, that God breathes good health back into your body. Look forward to catching up with you sometime again soon as well. Folks, that'll do it for this bonus episode of Next on the T. Join me Tuesday night when my guest will be LPGA legend Jane Blaylock, our top instructor and resident director of instruction, Tom Patry, Jeff Tracy, the host of the Grilling at the Green show, and Golf Channel host Damon Hack. Until then, my friends, hit them straight.